0: Welcome to this episode of Drug Target Review's podcast, sponsored by Beckman Coulter. I'm Victoria Rees, Deputy Editor of Drug Target Review, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Shiraz Gull from the Fraunhofer Institute and Dr. John Fuller from Beckman Coulter. We'll be discussing small molecule screening and how automation can aid this process, simplifying workflows, saving time and money, and increasing throughput. If you'd like to find out more from Beckman Coulter, download the brochure using the link below. But first, let's say hello to Shiraz. Hi, Shiraz. It's great to speak with you today.
1: Hello, Victoria. Nice to speak to you, too.
0: Thanks, Shiraz. Would you be able to tell our listeners a bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Sir. For the past two decades, I've been working on drug discovery projects in the preclinical domain. And currently, I'm the head of the assay development and drug repurposing group at the Fraunhofer Institute in Hamburg, Germany. And I've been doing this job for the last 13 years, and prior to this, I was at GlaxoSmithKline in the UK for roughly seven years.
0: And hello to John. How are you today?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me.
0: Fantastic. Could you just give a bit of a background to yourself?
2: Yeah, sure. So I am the commercial product manager for the ECHO Acoustic Liquid Handler focused in drug discovery at Beckman Coulter. Prior to my current role, I was actually an ECHO customer during my postdoctoral days doing phenotypic drug discovery, then joined LabSite as a field application scientist for the Boston, New England region. And now here I am.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much, Shiraz and John. So today we're talking about small molecule screening and automation, but first I wanted to ask about some of the challenges that the drug discovery industry is facing. Shiraz, what do you think about this?
1: Yeah, it's a very very interesting question. So if you look at the drug approvals globally, seventy five percent of the drugs which are approved are approximately um, small molecules, and that trend will continue at least in the short term and probably the long term as well. And what we're trying to do collectively, which is from the big pharma industry, biotech, applied research, research institutes and so on, is to try and deliver compounds which are efficacious and safe as quick as possible. So what we want to do is try and shrink and condense the preclinical research as much as possible without compromising um, things too much, but get that critical in vivo data to show that the compounds that we are developing are safe and efficacious.
0: John, what's your thoughts?
2: I would say the the widest challenge currently that the drug discovery sector is facing are are the labor shortages that's currently plaguing the, the industry. We hear it from our customers getting their scientists to the bench. It's a challenge both for the large organizations as well as the smaller startups.
0: So, How can automation really alleviate some of these challenges?
1: So the number of drugs which have been approved is relatively small in number compared to the number of gene targets that could be um, associated with disease processes. So much of the human genome is still largely um, unexplored. We know from genome-wide association studies and a lot of academic research that's done within hospitals, we can use very high throughput, cutting-edge technologies to do personalized medicine, find out what is the cause of a disease, and once we've identified that potential drug target, which might be overregulated or underregulated, but clearly is dysfunctional in that group of people which manifest that disease, we can then try and develop therapeutic agents for that disease for those groups of um, patients. And this takes typically 10 years, but what we want to do collectively is to try and get that drug target, develop assay systems, screen them against small molecule libraries, find what we call HIT compounds and optimize them to lead and clinical candidates. This whole process in the preclinical domain takes maybe five to seven years. And we now are using automation, computational methods, patient derived samples, multiplex assay formats, single cell um, screening, next generation sequencing, all of the technologies which are available to try and accelerate the preclinical drug discovery as much as possible. And automation is really at the core of this. We can use a lot of the automation methods which are available to try and streamline and accelerate the preclinical drug discovery processes, both the chemistry and biology and deliver compounds and test them in patients as quick as possible.
0: Mm. John, do you have anything to add?
2: some of the the areas where that uh, can be alleviated are automating assays that that frankly are uh, you know a, a waste of human resources to dedicate to automating you know doing those simple tasks
0: so what particular or specific parts of small molecule discovery can be automated
1: so the automation covers really the entire preclinical drug discovery phases Within the preclinical stages, we're looking at reagent production, cell line production, protein production, the chemistry, the synthesis of compounds, the assays that we are using to screen compounds against our drug target assays. So the places where automation can be integrated in the preclinical drug discovery domain is vast. And the whole point of automation is to reduce cycle time, miniaturize assays to try and reduce their cost, increase reproducibility. All of these factors come into play when we are doing automation, but the ultimate aim is really to try and develop compounds which are high quality and can enter clinical validation as quick as possible. And by doing this in a shorter time frame. Having less people involved in these processes while still maintaining high quality will benefit the patients ultimately who will be given these drugs eventually.
0: Thanks so much, Shiraz. John, what do you think? Uh,
2: you know, I, th- I think the biggest way that it can help is um, the-, the reproducibility you know science uh, it's an understatement to say that that many of the assays many of the technologies that uh, that are being used can be quite challenging numerous variables that go into the process and all the more of those variables that you can uh, you know lock into place with re- reproducible automation then all the better that you can use those human efforts towards some of the more uh, challenging aspects of the workflow and developing those workflows.
0: Mm. So, uh, I also wanted to ask about the biggest benefits of automating small molecule discovery. What aspects would you say are the main advantages?
1: So, in terms of our core activities, we're involved in small molecule drug discovery, and often we need to obtain interesting drug targets which are in, involved or implicated in disease processes, and then develop suitable assays in miniaturised format and then screen them against compound libraries to find our initial hit compounds. These are compounds which are active against their primary drug target of interest and then they need to be optimised further from a chemistry and biology perspective. Automation can enable or allow all of these processes to be done relatively quickly. Previously, assay development would take a long time could be many months to maybe years to develop a suitable assay and high throughput screening was also a very time consuming and expensive process where reproducibility was an issue with automation tools that we have now which include adequate and um, high throughput liquid handlers for reagent dispensing compound transfer compound libraries are often stored in DMSO at 100% and these compound libraries are very precious expensive and they are not easy to replace or resynthesize. So, the compound libraries that we have are relatively small in number in terms of the amount of milligrams of compound that we have. So, we have to be able to use these compound libraries repeatedly over a long period of time. As the compounds are stored in DMSO, often assay systems, especially those which are cell based, are very susceptible to, to DMSO. So, we have to be able to dispense compound from our stock DMSO concentration to a v- Ultimately, to a very low DMSO concentration, so that the cells are not um, hampered in any way. So, using equipment, we can transfer very small amounts of liquid into our assay plates and then use that for our compound screening. All of these processes are now automated in a very high throughput fashion, which can ultimately accelerate our hit discovery from what would be many years of effort to maybe a few months of research.
0: Thanks, Shiraz. John, what would you say are the biggest benefits?
2: Uh, reproducibility um, and a- automation—they uh, they, they really go hand in hand. Um, you know, when you think about how um, projects are are scaled, um, you know, vastly different. Whether it's uh, a big pharma that's about to uh, embark on, on a major high throughput campaign. Clearly those are, are using you know massive automation platforms. We now also have smaller customers that rather than, let's say screening a, a library of 2 million compounds, uh, where they're going now is automating assays of potentially thousands of compounds, but they're using more advanced assays and and really pushing you know capturing data from those, advanced assays.
0: So we've mentioned reproducibility here. Why can this be an issue for small molecule screening, along with scalability and upgradability, and how can automation support this?
1: Drug discovery is a collaborative process where many research groups will be involved in repeating experiments, transferring assays from, say, one site or one research group to another, and this might be within a country, a continent, or it could be even across different sites across the globe. And as part of this assay transfer, we have to make sure that the assay parameters, which are um, defined and obtained, for example, the potencies of compounds, how the assays are performing, we have to make sure that these are reproducible across all sites. So for each assay that we develop, we have a standard operating procedure. But the nuts and bolts of all of these SOPs is compound logistics, uh, compound supply um assay parameters, so having a unified laboratory environment where as much of assay um parameters can be automated and documented is critical to ensure that the results that we that we ultimately obtain are the same across different sites. There is some margin for error, but having high q c and accurate um, dispensing of compounds in particular is important, which will ultimately lead to highly reproducible results. And compound handling is really key to this. Um, Often we have compounds stored in the DMS, as I've already mentioned, at a certain concentration, and then they are dispensed from our source plates into assay plates, and then we add our cells or our um, protein of interest, and we develop an assay and do a screen, and we measure the effects of the compound in that assay system. If the compound dispensing is incorrect or hasn't been tracked, then the potency of the compounds that you ultimately obtain can shift to some extent. So this reproducibility has to be really nipped as early as possible, and that comes down to the automation and the tools and methods that we use to. Um, do our liquid handling at the beginning of any any assay development and screening process.
0: Mm, definitely. So thinking about the hit-to-lead process now, how is the traditional paradigm changing?
1: So I think we've seen over the past two decades, assay development times have shrunk from which could be many years to a few months. So you can buy off-the-shelf assay kits, for example, the kinases and GPCRs which are screening compatible across most kinases of interest and also most GPCRs of interest. And these two drug target classes are probably the very popular um, from a drug discovery perspective. So assay development has shrunk. Screening, it still can be time consuming, but with the automation in terms of the liquid handling of compounds and also um, re- reagent addition, Assay development and screening times have also shrunk considerably. Using high throughput infrastructure, we can do screening at a very high throughput. So it's commonplace to do what we call ultra high throughput screening, which would be roughly 100,000 compounds per day. This is fairly routine in some of the big pharma companies. Um, So it is not too time-consuming to do what we call ultra-high-throughput screening. However, there are some mundane tasks as part of this process. For example, moving plates around so robots can be used to accelerate this. We've also got the sealing and unsealing of plates, which was largely a manual task. We now have got automated devices for sealing plates and unsealing plates. This is all relevant because the compounds in our compound libraries have to remain stable in the DMSO solution, which is hygroscopic in nature. So compounds have to be sealed and unsealed relatively quickly during and after each transfer of compound. So all of these automation around assay development and screening has really made this a less time consuming process. But again, what we deliver from our screening activities is a hit compound. And there is a definition of a HIT compound where we know the activity of that compound against the primary target of interest. But to optimise this into a lead and a clinical candidate, there are a range of other activities that need to be brought into play. John, do
0: you have anything to add?
2: Well, I, I think similar to, I mean, if you think about the the traditional drug discovery process of um, you know almost like an upside down wedding cake where millions of compounds are triaged, and you know, we go into you know follow-up assays and getting into lead discovery. I, I think what's happening is there's an evolution. and instead of running all of those uh, millions of compounds at once, our customers are getting smarter at selecting subsets of those compounds. Diversity libraries, I think, are becoming more and more popular using AI-based approaches for testing smaller numbers of compounds, but against uh, more physiologically relevant assays are coming more in vogue. And uh, in that hit-to-lead process, I think some of the assays, which are currently, let's say, used at a smaller scale are similarly moving towards being able to be used in a higher throughput method.
0: So how are traditional approaches evolving and becoming smarter then?
1: So I think phenotypic screening was done maybe 50 years ago on a very large scale. And then once the human genome was sequenced in the 2000s, we really moved away from the phenotypic assay approach through to what we now call the reductionist approach, looking at individual drug targets in isolation. There has been a revisitation of the phenotypic screening, and that really has been led from the imaging technologies that we have to um, observe um, phenotypes and processes in a multiplex format in a cellular system. So these imaging devices are now available, uh, which can operate in high throughput mode. But assays, which are cell-based, are quite tricky to run as they involve addition of compounds, often prior to addition of cells, and then incubation for maybe one day, it could be five days or even seven days, so that often there's a redosing of compounds is required, where plates have to be taken out of an incubator, the compound plates have to be unsealed again, there has to be a redosing of compound, and there might be washing of cells, so Revisiting cell-based assays in a mul- with a multi-parameter readout is tricky and has generally been a lower throughput assay, but again, with automation that we have now access to, we can really accelerate um, screening in these, in, in these cell-based assays. That's all ongoing right now.
0: So, thinking about newer technologies now, like CRISPR, AI, and next-generation sequencing, how are these technologies leading the way? Are they best used together?
1: So, in terms of the tools and technologies we have, in, which includes, say, the CRISPR and AI computational methods, then next-generation sequencing and and machine learning, we can now try and apply as as much of these tools as possible to our assay systems. So, for example, we can do cell based screening and that same cell, cell population in that well can be also sent off for, say, profiling in, say, mass spec. It could be the cell sample could be sent off for next generation sequencing. So using that same cell population, which has been used for our small molecule screening, a subset of that cell sample can be sent off to different laboratories, for further annotation to really understand what is going on at the cellular level, but with a a multi-parameter readout. So for example, CRISPR-Cas is still in its infancy, but this type of genome editing can be used to understand the mode of action of our drug target and what effect the compound has on the drug target in a particular cellular system. So this is still in its infancy, and we'll have to wait and see how this really progresses. It is a combined effort, but even though CRISPR-Cas has been around for slightly longer than, say, AI, AI is a computational tool which has been used extensively in drug discovery. But the AI technology has really um, been accelerating over the last few years and we're trying to use as much of these computational methods to try and understand and allow us to optimise compounds from the hit stage to the lead stage, and then the clinical candidate. So all of these tools that I mentioned are being used to accelerate drug discovery in the preclinical area, but computational methods have matured somewhat more than the other methodologies, and that really is um, being used extensively to try and accelerate drug discovery. This can come at relatively low cost as it's a computational method, so not much laboratory work is required to do this, However, a lot of that AI is driven by the data that's already in, in public databases. So a lot of work has been done, which has allowed these AI tools to mature. Next generation sequencing is very popular. We, there are a number of assay platforms out there to do next generation sequencing in high throughput. And again, that can be used using our existing cell-based assays where a subset of the cells are taken and then analyzed further to give us a greater understanding of the molecular targets involved in a disease process.
0: John, what do you think about newer technologies?
2: I think they're all equally useful. I, I think they're, you know, certainly per per project, there may be more uh, more of a use for for one versus another. But I think all of these omics-based technologies are being used, uh, you know, more and more by our customers, you know, in concert with one another. And, and AI is really the, you know, the computational engine that's, uh, you know, tying these data sets from these, you know, these massive, massive sets of data together to to really make more useful predictive models for a drug's molecular mechanism of action.
0: More generally speaking now, what role can AI or machine learning play in the future of drug discovery as a whole?
1: So I think they will be key in ranking compounds and maybe giving some ideas on optimization of compounds. However, we still need to do the in vitro experiments. A compound that has been designed in silico, or if an AI system suggests that one particular modification of the compound should increase its profile in a beneficial way, that compound still needs to be synthesized and its in vitro activity needs to be confirmed in a laboratory experiment. So using the AI methodologies and computational methodologies will be another tool in our armament to accelerate drug discovery. But again, the in vitro data will still need to be obtained to ensure that what we are measuring or predicting from the computational method translates to an in vivo experiment. So these tools, another tool in our armament to accelerate drug discovery.
0: Thanks so much, Shiraz. John, what do you say?
2: I think like Shiraz mentioned, You know, AI, machine learning—it's it's being used by the the pharmaceutical industry for, for quite some time for better understanding which particular models, which which chemotypes will interact with a target of interest, making better predictive models for for pharma, the pharmacology, the pharmacokinetics, and and understanding the you know poly, polypharmacology. When a drug may have a, a particular profile against multiple targets or have effects on uh, many different pathways, I think we're using or our customers are using AI to embrace that to a certain extent and, and at least better understand how to modify their targets using those advanced technologies.
0: Well, I would also like to discuss the Beckman Coulter acoustic liquid handling products that can be used to aid automation in small molecule screening. Shiraz, how can these be used during drug discovery?
1: So compound libraries are often stored in DMSO as the solvent at one hundred percent, and we have been using the Beckman Coulter Echo acoustic liquid handler for the last fifteen odd years since I've been working um, in in Hamburg at the Fraunhofer in doing assay development and screening. So the compounds are stored in in pure DMSO at 10 millimolar and using a very small amount of liquid, we are able to develop miniaturized assays in high throughput format, ensuring reproducibility of compounds. The compound libraries that we screen range from drug repurposing libraries, which are a few thousand compounds, through to some of the larger decks, which are maybe 200,000 compounds in size using our stock solutions in our um, Beckman-Coulter acoustic liquid handler plates we are able to transfer very small amounts of liquid often 10 nanoliters or thereabouts for a 10 microliter assay this can be done very very quickly and we have our stock plates uh, which can be used in say the um, access workstation which includes the transfer of the plates from our Stocks solution um, storage using using the robotic arm, unsealing plates and then resealing them after dispensation. Um, Once we've done the screen, we then have to pick our hit compounds again using the Beckman Coulter Echo Acoustic Liquid Handler. We are able to do cherry picking. We can give the device a hit list, and the software will go back into our entire full deck of compound plates and then cherry pick hits as need be. Dose response studies also need to be done from our stock solutions, again, the acoustic liquid handler is able to do dose responses of our compounds of interest over a very, very large dynamic range and also do backfilling with DMSO so we can normalize each dose response with our DMSO. All of this can be done in one stop shop with the um, Beckman Coulter Access hardware and software, which is fully integrated in very high throughput. So there's minimum manual intervention involved in in all of these processes.
0: John, what would you like to add?
2: So the Beckman-Coulter ECHO acoustic liquid handlers have uh, been a mainstay in uh, early preclinical drug discovery. If you visit a high throughput screening center, you'll more often than not see one in use, um, I think would say they've become a mainstay in higher throughput efforts uh, for, for drug screening. Also, our access workstations, which simplify the automation of assay-ready plate production, which is a great way to time-shift the assays used for primary as well as secondary screening efforts and follow-ups. All of those tools are now being used in preclinical drug discovery, the, the, the hit stage, a particularly interesting area that, that we see that's evolving now is not just the, let's say, simple one-to-one dispensing of CRISPR guides, but actually using AI and advanced informatics to create unique combinations of CRISPR guides, let's say, for instance, and small molecules themselves, um, which is something that the Echo is well-poised to tackle. So the Access is is fundamentally um, an, an extension of, of the Echo. Uh, our customers that use the Echo Acoustic Liquid Handler get introduced to Tempo, our automation software, you know, for the Access platform and feel quite at home. It's a very straightforward interface for automating these aspects of the drug discovery process to which the, the Echo plays a key role. Uh, we also offer a number of access platforms we have our, our core access workstation which is you know well used to create assay ready plates and then we also have our uh, dual robot systems and single robot systems which were the kind of the next uh, evolution of that platform
0: fantastic well thank you so much Shiraz and John it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you both
1: thanks.
2: Likewise. Thank you.
0: And thank you to our listeners as always for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget that if you'd like to find out more about Beckman-Coulter liquid handling platforms, you can download the brochure using the link below. I've been Victoria Reese, and on behalf of Drug Target Review and Beckman-Coulter, thanks once again for listening. Keep an eye out for our next podcast coming soon.